Hello, Christ Point. It's an honor to be here today. I'm so proud. Joshua. I'm so proud of him. Because I know his story. And I'm going to tell a little bit about it today. Is that all right? But before we get into that, thank you for honoring him in, in such a marvelous way. You guys are fantastic. I feel like this is a home away from home for, for us. And we just love you all. I think you have one of the greatest churches anywhere. And uh, I think you have one of the greatest staffs anywhere. And I just, from the bottom of my heart, want to thank you for honoring him. Because everything that you're doing for him, he's done for me. See, the law of seed time and harvest is the governor of destiny. What you sow, you reap. And he has sowed honor. And uh, he has sowed so many wonderful things into my life. And it's amazing how that God has placed him strategically in a place for him to receive a harvest on all of that honor that he's bestowed upon me. And so uh, I love you all and I appreciate you and thank you. Thank you for just being who you are. I think this is a magnificent church. And, and just get ready because you're going to pack this place out. You're going to pack this place out. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here, Pastor Josh had wanted me to come and preach. I was, I'd preached a Bible conference in Central District a couple of weeks ago. He tried to get me to stay over on a Sunday and preach, but I needed to return home. And, uh, and I knew that the church was going to honor him today, and so I thought it would be just a tremendous thing for me to be able to share some lessons from a leader's life. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to exegete the text, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. And what we want to do is apply these things and show you how that they, uh, how Pastor Josh has, or Dr. Pennington, has exemplified these things. And then we're going to draw some, some principles uh, from a leader's life to where we can begin to apply those things to our life as well. But before we, before we read the Word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, sir, for this wonderful privilege to be here and to honor such a wonderful, wonderful man. They are truly blessed to have him as their pastor. Yet he is equally blessed to have them as his congregation. And Father, it amazes me, and you amaze me, how that you bring people together. You bring people together. And how that you knit people together and knit hearts together for your purposes. And Father, you've done that with me and Pastor Josh, and you have done that with him and this congregation. So Father, we love you. We magnify you. And even though, sir, we, we honor a man, all of the glory goes to you. All of the glory goes to you for great things you have done. And Father, open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from your word. Give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you this morning. And we'll give you praise for it in the matchless name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. It says, Let no man despise thy youth. Okay, That's, that just tells you immediately that this passage doesn't apply to me. Because I'm 48. No, I'm teasing. But let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation 
in charity and spirit in faith and purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in, in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So what I want to do is just exegete this text a little bit and begin to apply some of these different principles and details of the text to Pastor Josh's life and share a few personal stories concerning him today. Let's look at the word youth. It said, let no man despise thy youth. The word youth is the Greek word naotes, which uh, means youth or a youthful age. And it was used of a uh, grown-up military age extending to the 40th year. So Pastor Josh is 38 years old, so he would fit within this youth age limit here that, that we're reading about in the text. And so um, Timothy was probably about 30 to 35 years of age when, when Paul wrote this. And he said, let no man despise thy youth. So after serving under Paul, the elders in the congregation may have looked down on this younger man who was put in charge of their particular church. So Paul told young Timothy, he said, Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Josh is 38 years old. And um, as he said, for a church with a history of 23rd and Annie Baxter, with all of the great pastors that they have had over the years, uh, including uh, our great brother Diltz here in the middle, let's honor him this morning. We appreciate you, sir, and your many years of service. So to have such high quality, high caliber men serve as pastor, they took a chance on a young man that was, I believe at that time, 31. You were almost 30. You were 29. So sometimes when you select a pastor of, of that age or, or you have a candidate of that age, many times they'll write them off. They'll say they're just too young. We need someone with a little bit more seasoning. I remember in Amarillo, and like I said, we're going to be sharing some stories here. But in Amarillo, when... When I, I met him in West Virginia in 1996, as he said, I had been asked to go and to preach a Bible, a camp meeting. One day of the camp meeting, was a, we call, how many of you remember the PYPAs? We are the members of the PYPA. Y'all remember all that. Pentecostal Young People Association. So his pastor, Gloria Roy, his pastor growing up, uh, had invited me to come and to preach this one day of this camp meeting. And so uh, I walked in with a young man that was with me, and it was in the middle of the Teen Talent Expo. And so as soon as I walk in, he is coming out of the side. This is a Teen Talent Expo event. So he's coming out of the side here with all of these choir members in old-time choir robes. And so he was the leader of the choir. How many of you have heard him sing? Yeah, there's a reason why you haven't heard him sing. And so what they did was they were lip syncing. They were lip syncing to that song, Are You Ready for a Miracle? Remember Sister Act? Now, Are you ready for a miracle? Ready as I can be. Well, he got up there and he was leading this lip, in, in this Teen Talent Expo, lip syncing to uh, Are You Ready for a Miracle? And had all this choir and, and they were just really really uh, tearing it up. Well, here it was, a Teen Talent Expo, and they were lip-syncing in Rupert, West Virginia. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God showed up in that place, 
people started shouting. The, uh, the judges, the, the talent judges started falling out in the spirit. Am I right? People, I tell you, the miners were there. It's just I had never in my life seen anything like this. And so then, you know, right during all of this, they tag team me and I get up and I preach on Acts chapter 2 and we had church five hours that day. The only time Josh ever saw his, his first pastor fall out in the spirit was that day. And people were healed and miracles and signs and wonders. It was just an amazing time. And so uh, that's the first time I laid eyes on him. Here he was 16. But I saw something special in him. And I saw something in him that day that the world is seeing now. God has given me the ability to see. And, and I saw it. And so that day went over so well, they invited me back for youth camp the next year. And so I went in there, and you know how many times, you know, with youth ministry, they want to just get up there and, you know, they're, um, uh, they may have a different approach. But I knew with all of these kids, they were just special kids. They were fireball Pentecostal kids. And so I just got up there and threw it down, old-fashioned camp meeting, preaching. And Pastor Josh was on the front row, and I'm not lying. Every night he had a hanky going. Okay, I think we was in a teaching session, and he started a Jericho march or something. Huh? He was, yeah, he was next to his girlfriend at the time, sitting next to his girlfriend. And he was up there, and he'd just jump up, and he'd just do the... And you know, with a Pentecostal preacher, man, that's like throwing gasoline on an inferno. You know what I'm saying? So here these kids are jumping up. It looked like a Dominion camp meeting. I mean, it was... And man, I just, we were just preaching, and just... I mean, these kids were just... They were rooting their nose in the carpet, just laying out before God, crying out before God. And I'd never seen... Anything quite like that. And I saw in this skinny, blonde-headed, 16-year-old kid the hand of God. And something was special on his life. And God knitted our hearts together. I'm the guy who taught him how to throw a football. I taught him there at that youth camp. I appreciate his father. Because if it wasn't for his father, we wouldn't all have him. But his father was absent a lot in his life. And so Josh was raised by his grandma and his grandpa. But early on, at an early age, he, when he would play, a lot of kids would be outside playing ball or something. He was playing church. Setting up a church with, with these little plastic play men and baptizing them, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost, evidently, you know, when he was G.I. Joe and different one, praying, praying over them, baptizing them, and because at an early age, he always knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a pastor. And so he was raised by his grandparents, raised in church. Sister Gloria Roy was a powerhouse woman of God. And she had him before I did. And I don't want this day to go by without acknowledging her contribution into his life. And I think it'd be in, in, in order for us just to give her a good hand of appreciation here today. <clears throat> good woman. Woman of God, get up there and sing the house down, pray the house down. And so, uh, so I met him there, and then he went off to Bible college, and we kind of lost contact a little bit. That was before cell phones and, and texting and all of that. And so uh, we kind of lost contact, and, but he, I, he had never left my mind. So I called the Bible college looking for him. And this lady said, oh, yeah, we know him. We know him. And I said, well, can you have him call me? So they got a hold of him, he called me, and I talked to him, and I was pastoring in Amarillo, and I wanted him to come and to be on my staff. See, I, I'm, I'm from L.A. I'm from L.A., Lower Arkansas. 
Lower Arkansas. And so I have an Arkansas education, but uh, I was smart enough to realize that this kid needs to be on my team. So I talked to him. He was there. He, uh, he left his home uh, to come and to be on staff with me in, in Amarillo. At that time, he was 19 years old. When I first brought him in, uh, I didn't bring him in as associate pastor, but I told him that's where I wanted him to go. I brought him in as my personal assistant, assistant to the pastor, because of this very thing we're talking about with age. And uh, even though I knew the hand of God was on him, I knew that God had called him, I knew what, would, what God would do with him, still yet, he's 19 years old. And, uh, and he wasn't a novice, because he had many, many, his entire life had been church and ministry, and he at 19 probably knew more than a lot of pastors knew even at that time. Had a great pastor, etc. So I brought him in the first year as assistant to the pastor. He just would help me. I'd give him different assignments and he would do those things. And um, then a year later, I was like, you know what, I'm going to appoint you as my associate pastor. So I brought it before the board, the church board, and uh, they said, I thought he was already the associate pastor. I mean, he preaches all the time. He's, you know, he does so many things. I, you know, he's already working that role. It's a no-brainer. Yes. And you know what? We, were, we had half of a congregation that was a younger congregation. We had another half that was an old, quite a bit older. And I never, ever heard one negative word about promoting him as associate pastor of our church. Not one from any individual. Because everyone saw the call of God upon his life. And so, here Paul is telling Timothy, he said, let no, don't, don't let them despise your youth. Don't let them despise your youth. And so, a lot of people think that just with age comes wisdom. If, if that was truly the case, there'd be no 80-year-old atheists. Right? The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And there are 80-year-old atheists. You know, people look at my hair and they see all this gray hair. I, I, say, I call them wisdom highlights. Wisdom highlights. And so, uh, but just because you get older doesn't make you wise. Am I right about it? You know, wives, quit looking at your husband that way, okay? But just because you get older does not necessarily mean that you become wise. And so here, Pastor Josh, at a very, very early age, uh, had character, had integrity, had the call of God on his life. And so Timothy's character, not his age, determined his authority to lead. His character, not his age, determined his authority to lead. And so Paul said, don't let them despise your youth. You're young, but live in such a way that they don't despise you, but instead they look up to you. And that's amazing. Because it's one thing just not to despise the young man. But it's another thing when you have elderly people looking up to the young man. And I believe we have a house full of people who do that today with Pastor Josh. It's amazing that I see him and the favor of God upon his life. All of these seasoned ministers have such a great respect and admiration for him. Now, he didn't know what I was going to be saying today. Okay, and I know he's sitting on the front row not liking it. But what's he going to do? Fire me? What's he going to do? So, they not only do they not despise him, but they all look up to him. And this house is full of people who are a lot older than him. Yet, you talk to him as a confidant, as a counselor, you seek his wisdom, 
You seek his advice. And so that's what Paul is telling Timothy here. Don't let anyone despise your youth, Timothy. The word despise means uh, to, have a, to despise, to disdain, to think little or nothing of. But I can assure you, without, throughout the Pentecostal Church of God and even the Assemblies of God, I don't know of anyone who despises Pastor Josh. He has favor upon his life. You know, when he comes to visit me, I immediately know that I'm not number one anymore. Okay, when he's, he's number one with my wife. She loves him. She's crazy about him. And you know, it takes a secure man to be okay with number two, right? It takes a secure man to be okay with second place. And so anyone I know, Dean Lemons and Shirley Lemons, when I was there in the real estate office, they called me, his kids called me the golden child. But that was before they met Josh. And so they, they commented on Facebook just the other day, the daughter said, Jimmy, you're no longer the golden child. And I started laughing and I said, absolutely, now I've gone to silver. I'm the silver child, now he's the golden child. But favor, favor, this opposite of disdain, where people don't respect you, people have a disdain for you, people don't like you. Can I tell you something? There are people that I know and he knows with PhDs and doctorates that have missed people skills 101. And there are people that have all kinds of education, but because they cannot get along with people, because they don't understand the people element, they always fail wherever they go in ministry because ministry is all about people. And I've stressed that with him from the very beginning, that ministry is about people, about loving people, knowing people, caring for people, spending time for people. Isn't it a shame that we have so many shepherds that today that don't smell like sheep? A shepherd should smell like sheep. And Pastor Josh loves people so much. I have this thing that I say about my wife. I say, people love Sissa. We call her Sissa. I said, everybody loves Sissa. And she says, you know why? I said, why? She said, because Sissa loves everybody. And it applies here. Everyone loves Pastor Josh because Pastor Josh loves everybody. And you know what? One of the things that we're missing, it seems in leadership, and we're just having a, ch a chat today. But one of the things that we're missing a lot in leadership overall, you'll have some leaders that are just strong. And they take pride in being strong. I used to be one of those individuals where I took pride in being strong. No one's going to run over me. You know, I'm going to take pride in being strong on the district board. I'm going to take pride in being strong in the church. I'm going to be a strong leader. I'm not a wimpy leader. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to be strong. Then you have some other guys. That's an extreme that is not good. Then you have the other extreme over here where you have the laissez-faire uh, leader who is weak. And everyone, anything could happen in the church. People could come in, try to start false doctrine or whatever, but because they don't want to uh, upset the apple cart, uh, they just want to just put things in under the rug and not make tough decisions. But you cannot read the Pauline epistles and not see where there comes a time when you have to be strong. There are things that you have to confront. There are times you have to be strong. So this far extreme over here is not good either. What is key? Where's, where's, it's balance. It's balance. Being strong, yet gentle. All at the same time. I have a friend who travels the world preaching. And so I have him come in and, and do some ministry for me in, in Frankfort, Kentucky. And so we're sitting at the table and so my wife is sitting there and she said, you know what? She said, Tony is the perfect balance between you and my dad. Because Brother Roberts, my father-in-law, is the, the gentle, 
man, kind man, meek man, phlegmatic. And then you have Jimmy over here, who by his nature is more choleric. You know, if there's not a hole in the wall, we're going to make one. If there's not a door, we're going to make one. And it doesn't matter how tall the mountain is, we're going to climb it. So you have that. And she said, when I was sitting there at the table with Tony, he seemed like the perfect balance between you and my dad. And I started thinking about that. I said, Lord, I want to be a better man. I want to be a better man. Have you ever been around somebody to where you're around them and immediately you want to be better? You want to be a better man than you are? And so I said, Lord, I want to be a better man. And I stand here today and tell you that Pastor Josh is that man as well. He's the perfect balance between strength and gentleness. You see, meekness is not weakness. Jesus was meek. Isn't part of the fruit of the Spirit gentleness? So how is gentleness weakness when it's the fruit of the Spirit? How is meekness weakness when, when the greatest men in the Bible were meek? So what we have to be is the perfect balance between bring, be strong when we have to be strong. There are times we have to stand our ground. And it may cost us our lives. But we stand our ground for truth. There's too much of this Mickey Mouse preaching that's going on where people aren't standing their ground and preaching the truth and the Word of God. They're telling everybody what they want to hear. And too many people are going to hell because there's not enough strong preachers that will declare the power and the Word of Almighty God. So we must speak the truth. We must stand for the truth even if it costs us our own lives. Yet, we're to speak the truth how? In love. That balance between strength and gentleness. And that's what you have in Pastor Josh. So, I know of no one that despises him, but I see so much favor in his life uh, because everyone sees his character and his quality. It says, let no man despise your youth, but be an example. The word example here is the Greek word tupas, which means the mark of a stroke or blow, a print, a figure formed by a blow or impression. Have you ever hit a door or something and you said, well, that's going to leave a mark. That's, what, that's tupas. To be an example for the believers. That there's this, this impact. There's, some, there's, this, there's this strike that leaves a mark on you. And so, that's what we must have. Such an encounter with God that He leaves His mark on us. That when people see you, they not only see you, they see the Lord Jesus. That's what we need, folks. You see, it's easy to preach a sermon, but it's a lot harder to live a sermon. And so we need to have such an encounter with God and such an encounter with the Holy Spirit that He leaves His mark upon us. That when you have you ever left a service when you're like, boy, that's going to leave a mark. That's going to leave a mark. That's a service that changed my life. And so Pastor Josh has spent so much time with the Lord that it has left a mark on it. It's left a mark. And uh, it was evident the very first time I met him. And it's what drew me to him. And so he has a prayer life. He practices spiritual disciplines. And he, he loves the Lord with all of his heart. I heard just the other day that Pastor Brandon said, you know what, Pastor Josh, one of the, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Brandon, but 
He said, one of the great things that I admire about him, sure, he can preach the paint off the walls. He's the best preacher in the Pentecostal Church of God. He is, in my opinion. Sure. Sure. I think he's the best leader in the Pentecostal Church of God. Time will, t will show that to be true. But Pastor Brandon said, Pastor, the one thing that impressed me the most about you is your prayer life. Am I right, Pastor Brandon? See, everybody sees the preaching. Everybody sees the laying hands on the sick. Everybody sees him being used in the power gifts or revelation gifts. Everybody sees that. But what they don't see is the time with God that he spends. But Pastor Brandon saw it. He said, Pastor, what impresses me the most about you is that you're a praying man. You spend time with God in the secret place. You see, he spends enough time with God. We're all celebrating him and you, he has, he has favor with you. You all see his gifts and his talents. Everyone does. But what you're seeing is the mark that has come as a result of an encounter with Jesus. That he spends so much time with the Lord that it's left a mark on him. And that's what we need to do, folks. We need to spend so much time with God that when we leave, sure, they might see Jimmy, but beyond that, they see Jesus. Sure, they may see you, but beyond that, they see the Lord Jesus. And so, he spends time with the Lord. He hears from God. And I'm going to say things today that very few people say because they don't know, because he never talks about it. He, he, he's not going to tell you about it. But let me tell you, just as proof that he spends time with God. For one, with this, with this building and with his, the other facility, here you guys know all the details about this building and getting this building, but when leasing the other building, he was like, Lord, in prayer, Lord, what do I do? Who do I call? And the Lord said, call Howie. Now listen. He didn't say, call Mike. He didn't say, call John. He didn't say, call Paul. He didn't say, call Billy. He said, call Howie. Howie. Are you with me here? You know, you, you have y'all seen the preachers where they, they think they're moving in the revelation gifts just because they walk into the back of through the back of the building. There's somebody there that with wearing a cast and their arms out there like this, walking in the building, and then the preacher says, You know, I perceive by the spirit that there is someone, that there is something going on with the left side of your body. Uh your upper torso, you know, and it's, I think, and even I believe it's your left arm. I believe it's, you have y'all know what I'm talking about. So we see a bunch of that stuff going on. But he's in prayer. He hears the voice of God. Preachers come a dime a dozen. Preachers come a dime a dozen. I can show you some of the best preachers who will sleep with your wife. I can show you some of the best preachers that will rob you blind. Give me a leader who understands and knows the voice of God. Give me that guy. He was in prayer and God said, call Howie. 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 Who's Howie? Call Howie? Did some research, found a Howie pastoring in town. Called Howie and before long, Howie's 
lease the building and still lease in the building. And that's helping you guys pay for this building. Why? Because he heard the voice of God. He is in Cynthiana, Kentucky, pastor in a church, and thank God he went there because Brother Sean was there. Pastor Sean was there, and he brought Sean with him. How many of you love Sean? <laughs> Tremendous young man. Thank God he went to pick him up to bring him here. But he was in Cynthiana, and he had tried out for a church in Versailles, Kentucky. And it cost, not Versailles, it's Kentucky, it's Versailles. Okay? And so he had tried out for that, and there was a, an, an elder statesman bishop that had come in and had tried out for the church, but the church loved Josh, and so they, there was, they were torn between Pastor Josh and this elder statesman bishop. Well, who should we, who should we select? I wish they had just called me and I would have told them, but they didn't. So he was at home. And the Holy Spirit told him, Josh, the Versailles board is going to call you tonight at 7 o'clock. Am I lying? They're going to call you tonight at 7 p.m. So what did he do? He went to his church office, sat in his chair, started laying out all of his books and trying to prepare for any questions that they may ask him, laying all of his stuff out. It was swiftly approaching 7 o'clock, so he just leaned back in his chair. At 7 p.m., the phone rang. And it was the, the church board of Versailles Pentecostal Church of God. What do you say? He hears from God. He hears from God. I could go on and on and on about it. But you need to know that you have a pastor here that has, and you've seen it all. You've seen it. And the reason why you're seeing the mark is because he spends time with God. And I also want to caution you I also want to caution you that you have to be very careful that you don't lay hands on God's man. Okay? As your friend, I'm just telling you. That doesn't mean he's perfect. I'll be the first one to tell you he's not perfect. I told him he wasn't perfect two weeks ago when I walked in his house and there's no food in the refrigerator. <laughs> Nothing to drink. The bathroom was a mess. Am I right about it? Y'all been in this house. Y'all know what I'm saying. It's true. All of this stuff. He's far from perfect and flawless. He's just a single man who needs a woman to get up in there and help him. You with me? That's the deal. That's the deal. But we have to be careful. Because I can assure you, he's a man of God. Now, he's not flawless. But if he does make a mistake, if there's something there, go to him in the spirit of meekness and love. Talk to him about it. The last thing you want to do is go to Facebook. That not only goes for him, but anyone in the church. Never do anything to hurt the church. It's Jesus' church. He bought the church. He died for the church. One day He's coming back for the church. So never do anything to hurt the church. And so with Pastor Josh, he's a man of God. So be cautious that you don't slander him. Be cautious what you say about him. Because it may not turn out very well for you as your friend, as your friend. If he's in the wrong, you know, he's man enough that he will admit it. 
You go to him, you tell him he's man enough, he'll admit it. If he won't, call me. And I'll, I'll come talk to him. Okay? But he loves Jesus. So much more I could say. It told him to be an example in certain ways. It told him to be an example in word, in speech, in conversation. Does your speech make people think of Jesus or make people think you need Jesus? So in word, your conversation. And next it says, it uses in the King James the word conversation, but in the Greek it actually means your conduct, your behavior. So it encompasses your whole manner of living. So Pastor Josh is a great example for us no matter our age, whether we're young or old. His generosity. I've, I've seldom met anyone as generous as Pastor Josh. Anytime I've ever been with him and his staff, just, just hanging out, just observing, I've never seen it where he hasn't picked up the bill. He's generous with his folks. There are times he would go and he would preach revivals and Sean would go with him. And Sean can attest to this. Pastor Josh even though he was the one preaching the revival, would be generous and bless uh, Brother Josh. He's a generous individual. When he wasn't hardly making any money at all, he bought uh, the pulpit, not the pulpit, the, the biblical illustrators for me, just to honor me. Uh, it was pastor appreciation on my birthday or something. Spent 300 and some odd dollars on these, on these biblical illustrators and he bought them and, and he blessed me with those when, when that was at that time an entire week's salary for him. He's a generous man. Anytime I'm around him, he wants to pay for no matter what we're doing. You know, but you know, if I'm daddy, I'm I gotta pick up the bill sometimes. So but he's generous. He's generous with people. He's he's loving. He's uh he honors folks. He's very trustworthy. He's dependable. No matter what task you give him. So his entire lifestyle, his behavior, his manner of life, his conversation in the King James is one that you can emulate and one that you can follow. We've all seen church leaders uh, who were gifted, but because... Their character couldn't keep them where their talent took them. Their character couldn't keep them where their talent initially took them. I'm reminded of a man that was one of the greatest preachers in the Pentecostal Church of God, but got caught up in an impure life. And today, nobody knows anything about this guy. But he was so gifted. But when purity is violated. Purpose can be annihilated. So we have to be careful with our lives. And this young man right here, for 38 years he's been chased. C-H-A-S-T-E, but also C-H-A-S-E-D. Chased, but also chased. All these young women wanting to marry him. But for 38 years, he's been chaste. He's been pure. I can trust him. If I had a daughter, and you know she's going to be good looking if she looks like her mama, okay? If I had a daughter, and she said, Daddy, she said, why don't you just let me and Josh go to Europe for a month, and then after that go to Hawaii for a month. You know what I'd do? I'd pull out my checkbook and I'd say, how much money do you need? And I would sleep like a baby every night. Why? That man would not lay a finger on my daughter. Not one finger. Because he's a pure, pure-hearted man. There are times if he's there at home with my wife, I could travel to Timbuktu and not even blink with him being in the same home 
with my wife out of my presence. Why? I know him. I know him. Now, he wants to get married. That's not the problem. He loves women. He wants a woman, all right? But he don't want your woman. And isn't that good to know? He wants a woman, but he doesn't want your woman. And so it's God is my witness. If I had a daughter, say, hey, why don't we and Josh go to Europe for a month and then go to Hawaii for a month? I'd take out the checkbook, write the che- how much you need and sleep like a baby because that man would not lay a finger on my daughter. And I know it. He's pure. He's a good man. Now, Sean would be a different story, okay? <laughs> she should come, Daddy. I said, what, baby? You know, what about me and Sean going to your... Are you, have you lost your mind? What's wrong with you, child? I'm teasing. Sean's, Sean's a wonderful young man. I'm teasing. Purity. Be an example in spirit. Being passionate for God. Enthusiasm, excitement for God. Very few have it, have it like Pastor Josh. He's truly an intellectual Pentecostal. He'll parse Greek with you, but he'll dance on top of your pocketbook. In spirit, in faith, the conviction of the truth of anything, the belief, pistis in the Greek. He stands for what he believes in. He's a preacher of truth. He's a preacher of righteousness. He's not going to back up, and he's not going to back down when it comes to the Word of Almighty God. And you're honored to have a man filling this pulpit and preaching the Word of God to you without fear or favor of man every day. Sunday and Sunday night. In purity, we discussed that. Paul said, give attendance to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. You know, his education is proof that he has a hunger for the Word of God. He wants to learn. He wants to grow as a leader. Then he told Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Don't neglect it. Pastor Josh is gifted. He's a gifted preacher as we discussed. He's a gifted leader. In my opinion, he's the greatest leader in the Pentecostal Church of God. I know a lot of them. And if they were all in this building, I would tell them that as well. And so I believe that with all my heart. And and I'm going to tell you, okay? I'm going to tell you. One day, the Pentecostal Church of God will knock on his door asking him to be General Bishop of the Pentecostal Church of God. If, I, if, I, if I'm wrong, call me up, come stone me. But I'm telling you, that's how it's going to be. And at that time, he'll have to determine what the will of God is. But I can assure you, as sure as I'm standing here, that will happen in the future. It will happen. And in my opinion, between him and probably Brother Hurd, it'll be a toss-up on who was the greatest of the two. So it will happen. They will call on him because everyone recognizes the gift of God upon his life. So, Neglect not the gift that's in you. He hasn't done that. It says, give thyself wholly to these things. The perseverance, Pastor Josh. The focus, Pastor Josh. The power of focus. Prime example. Since he was 10 or so, has built his entire life around one thing, and that's ministry. The power of focus. Light unfocused would just give you a warm, fuzzy feeling on the back of your neck, but light focused has the power to cut through steel. The power is in the focus. Pastor Josh is not naturally the most intelligent 
person in the room. Naturally. You ever see some people, they just read the book and can immediately tell you everything they read. Photographic memory. Sometimes what happens with people like that is they quit. Everything comes so easy for them that it comes to a point in life where it's not easy and they quit. But Pastor Josh's genius is this. He's not naturally the most intelligent person in the classroom. But why does he stand before you today with a doctorate of ministry degree? Because of perseverance. Because he's a hard worker. Because he applies himself. And sometimes in life, people like that go further. They go further in life than people who are just naturally geniuses. The perseverance. It says, give yourself wholly, completely to these things. And he has. And he says, that thy profiting may appear to all. And the word profiting in the Greek means progress and advancement. He stands before you today. And we are his profiting, his progress, his advancement has appeared before the eyes of each and every one of us. When he walked across the stage with 6,000 people there Friday, the world saw. It appeared before their own eyes his progress and his advancement. Why? Because he gave himself wholly, completely to these things. And if we want to succeed in any endeavor in life, we have to do that. And then what does it say? And we close. It says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. It says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. What does he say to take heed unto first? Yourself. Before your doctrine. Take heed unto yourself and then take heed unto your doctrine. Notice this. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Lessons from a leader's life. 